Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Blind Ambition with Jack Kelly. It's your friend, Rick from Blind, and today I'm going to introduce you to Katya Laviolette. She's the Chief People Officer at 1Password, where she doubled the fully remote workforce to nearly 900 employees in 2022 across five countries, and she's hit a record 83% offer to acceptance rate. Before joining 1Password, Katya was an HR executive at Essence, TC Transcontinental, CBC Radio Canada, Rio Tinto, Bombardier Aerospace, and CN Railway. She's also a board director with Sanamax and Labs to global organizations focused on the circular economy. For those of you that don't know, 1Password's human-centric security keeps people safe at work and at home. The company's award-winning security platform is reshaping the future of authentication, including passwordless features. 1Password is trusted by over 100,000 businesses such as IBM, Slack, Snowflake, Shopify, and Under Armour, and protects the most sensitive information of millions of individuals and families across the globe. Thanks for coming on the show, Katya. It's great to be here, Jack and Rick. Thank you for having me. So I I want to kind of dig into your career because your bio that I just shared with everyone is kind of a who's who of the most influential leading companies in Canada and abroad. So can you walk us through your career? Sure, I'm happy to do that. It's um, it's kind of a, I think I have a, a relatively unique career as kind of pieces of a puzzle put together. I I started actually in the trenches. I say I've done planes and trains. I yet to do automobiles, but I, I started um, really in labor relations in collective bargaining. Uh, I was 24 years old, uh, negotiating with the Canadian auto workers at the time and um, really kind of cut my teeth in the HR field. And I progressively um, moved into different functions in HR uh, and worked for most of my career in really large scale multinational uh, companies. But a lot of the thread of those companies was very entrepreneur and family led. And so I've been in businesses uh, like rail, rail, railroading, um, as well as transportation, uh, aerospace, packaging, media, our public broadcaster in Canada that is very well known by most of us Canadians. Um, and for the most part, the bulk of my career has been as an HR generalist, but I've been able to have the privilege of touching pretty well every function within HR, uh, just from an experience standpoint. And about, I'd say, Eight years ago now, I decided that it was time kind of to move off um, and move away from kind of the publicly traded world into I wanted to work more with entrepreneurs in private companies, mm-hmm. which is a bit of a different ship. Um, and I decided uh, that I would actually head into uh, retail. Uh, and that's when I joined Essence, which is kind of like the, I call it the Amazon of luxury e-commerce. Um, and then once I had finished with uh, Essence in terms of uh, of that uh, mandate of scaling the company, I moved into One Password, which I call kind of like my pure tech uh, mandate uh, of chief people officer to scale a company. So my experience is pretty pretty broad. Um, you usually find HR professionals who are mainly in kind of 
certain areas or certain industries, but I pretty well can play in multiple industries and have had the privilege of doing so and have seen, you know, a lot of things and a lot of great things, a lot of challenging things. And um, I I hope that with one password, I, I can bring all that to the table to help them uh, scale. And you mentioned your experience, you know, before you kind of ascended to the C-suite, so to speak, has been in labor relations, like working with these unions, um, focusing on being an HR generalist. Is that the typical kind of career pathway for um, a C-suite executive? You know, for those that are like looking to crack into the C-suite themselves because they are an HR professional or folks that, you know, are looking for pattern matching to see, mm. oh, well, you know, I'm an engineer, but maybe there's kind of uh, these steps that I need to kind of demonstrate or or accomplished before I can even be considered. Do you have any advice there? I think there's all sorts of ways to kind of move into, if you're talking about an HR executive moving into a C-suite position, there's a ton of different avenues to get there. That's what the beauty the beauty of, of the profession is about. You can work in different industries, you can work in different sub-functions and so forth. What I always say to individuals that I mentor or support is that if you want to be a C-level chief people officer, CHRO, and you want to be really at the um, kind of forefront, I really believe you need to go deep and you need to not just have experience in recruitment or not just have experience in um, organizational development. Like I think having really deep experience in those sub-functions allows you to be a really true HR generalist and like get into the detail, understand it. I have a lot of, I have a great team. I've had great teams throughout my career. I have a lot of, I surround myself with very good specialists, but I'm able to ask the questions to learn uh, because at the end of the day, it's me going to the board or to the comp committee. I will take a specialist with me when I'm really like, it's a really technical issue, but I should be able to master that, that, um, that content quite well uh, at that level. And so a generalist, I think is a, it's a it's a great job, but I, I encourage people that I that I do um, yeah, that I do either lead or that I do mentor is please go into the weeds, like get into the detail, like turn up your sleeves uh, and get to know the subfunctions because it makes you a better complete HR professional. And, and underpinning all that is that's all sorts of HR <laughs> mumbo jumbo, but underpinning all that is like, even before you do that, understand the business that you're in. Cause you can, you can be an HR professional in pretty well every industry, but it applies itself differently in a scale scaling business or a business that's realigning or that you're you're divesting of and so forth so understand the business model at function which is really important walk us through what an hr or a people team looks like because you know for a lot of our audience they have these like stereotypes about hr or some of them are even negative right that they're just you know, the, the famous one is, oh, well, they're just protecting the company. And so they're looking to minimize risk and minimize lawsuits. And so they're not really helping you. They're just trying to move you along, or they're trying to build these processes so that they can defend themselves later, or kind of cover someone else's butt. Like, where are all the disciplines and kind of what's the like mission mandate for an HR or people team? Yeah, it's, um, I think it's, it's kind of, 
it's kind of one of the functions that gets probably the most heat, which is unfortunate. So I think it's our job as HR professionals to kind of uh, rectify that and, and like actually educate people on what do we do on a daily basis. So, you know, if someone's coming out of school and they're like, well, you know, I want to pursue an, um, an HR career, like what's all that about? And I'm like, well, you got to figure out how to identify good talent, how to develop talent, how to train people, uh, how to negotiate collective agreements, um, how to figure out how to protect people from health and safety risks, how to pay people well, how to design good benefit plans. Like the list goes on and on and on. And it's not just um, the typical, the one thing that gets me that gets me riled the most is when someone has said to me and this happened, it doesn't happen very much anymore. Um, but people will say, oh, you work in HR. You must be a nice person. I'm like, well, I guess I'm nice, but I don't really care if you talk to me about being nice. I have to be confident in what I do. And I have to understand like, you know, what is good HR to drive the business? That's what's most important. So you, it's our job as HR professionals to demystify. So there's a lot uh, behind it. And, and yeah, at the end of the day, you actually have to balance um, representing the employee and representing the company and managing that risk and taking the right decision uh, holistically, which isn't always easy. You're, you're not always going to be um, put in a great space. So one thing that I was talking to my team about a lot is the, the whole concept of conflict and um, was talking about my career trajectory. And someone said to me, oh, you understand like where you come from, like you come from the trenches of, of like deep labor relations, like the only woman at the table at the time being a young woman dealing in a very male dominated environment. And it's actually weaved its th way through my career um, because conflict for me isn't a negative. It's like, let's get the issues on the table and deal with it directly. And actually it's a very important um, for me, and I think for others, it's a very important component to have as an HR professional because you deal with conflict on a daily basis. So you better be comfortable with it. Is that is that kind of the challenge that Rick brought up? Because you have these conflicts and these challenges, it all comes to your doorstep. So it's easy to be the bad person, right? The bad woman, the bad guy. That you're 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 the roadblock. Why the person to get the job? Is that kind of like what Rick you're alluding to, where it creates that feeling? And I wonder if it's if it's something Katya that it has to be more branded to explain to not just you personally but the whole HR business to say, wait, no, here's what we really do. Here's what's really going on. Because I think a lot of people aren't sure, like what, what you know, whose side are they on? Are they on my side, not my side? What are they doing? Does it, does that no, make sense? Yeah, no, it makes sense. And it's, um, hey, at the end of the day, yeah. like my job is if we're hiring someone and I don't, um, and, and I, and I, Let's let's just take a simple case of hiring someone, putting them through a selection process, and I don't think we should hire them. Well, I should say why in a very objective manner and state my case and, and influence that. And at the end of the day, if we don't hire them, maybe I've influenced that and I'm the bad person, but I'm very comfortable with my decision because it's been made in the right uh, the right lens. So sure, we could be branded like that, but then we could be branded as really facilitating and putting in place like wonderful benefits that are going to, you know, really help our employees and and so forth. So in the profession, coming back to it, you have to juggle back and forth with tough days 
of like making those tough decisions, you can't be nice all the time. Like it's not about that. It's about making the right, fair, fair decision. That's what's most important. In speaking with letting a candidate know, how did we go, let's say from 2016 again to now, where you didn't hear ghosting, you didn't hear any of that. But now, how did that just become an acceptable thing where like, I run a search firm and that has to be the biggest complaint from people where they'll say, hey, I've interviewed you know, five, six, seven, eight different people over six months and then boom, ghosted, never hear back, that's it. I think well, it's so several years ago, like yeah. let's go back to 16, 17, 18, 19, even into maybe just, no, like let's say to 19. Not like, yeah, there's an issue with talent, mm -hmm. but it wasn't at the peak like it was say in 2021. And then it kind of drops off in 22. And especially if you come in and you laser focus in on tech and all the scaling that has been done in the industry. Um, so these terms of ghosting and like just, um, you know, the great resignation and things like that, that's all actually accelerated through the entire kind of economics. Economics are a play, the market are a play. And so fascinating. I began with uh, 1Password 18 months ago. We were 500 um, bits. We're, we just passed the thousand mark uh, in August. Oh, bits is a person. Is that way? Bits is. Yes. It's our, our employees. <laughs> and we're, we passed the thousand employee mark uh, in August and we'll probably be around 1100 in January, probably around the range of 1500 next year. So we're, we're growing very, very quickly. And since the downturn, I would call it in tech and say, uh, earlier this year, you really, you, it's almost like a, it, it, there was a lagging effect and like a hot, like, it's almost like everyone who was being laid off, like it was, it was still very, very, it's still quite competitive, but we're just inundated with talent now in the sense of we have 120,000 resumes that have come in over the last 10 months. Wow. We, we had for wait, 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 how, how, how many came in? 120,000 resumes in the last wow. 10 months for our new interns we hire I might not have the number accurate it's either 20 or 30 interns but we had something like 20,000 plus resumes just for the interns so it's like the market has shifted we now have a, a talent pool um, but at the end of the day we have a, I have a great team of talent acquisition it's really important to have a great experience hiring people in, but also letting people know that you're not going to qualify. And so we also have to ensure that everyone has that same experience throughout, which is, which we've been working very, very hard to ensure because we can't, we can't speak to every 120,000 applicants, but we can make sure that everyone gets a response. Um, and so that's a bit of the opposite from, from the ghosting piece. Yeah. The, the market is like, it it's moving quickly. Um, it's positive for us right now, but we shouldn't underestimate that it'll ramp back up and we'll be we'll be in a different situation, so. So so what you're saying in part, that in a way for some, it's not so great for some job seekers because there may be in between roles, but as an employer, you have more choices to pick now from. Now we do. Yeah. Now we do. And, 
you know, let's face it, we're very privileged. We work in a great industry. We are in the cybersecurity industry. I say that there are a couple of industries that are very hot. I call that the electrification of vehicles and cybersecurity. And, um, you know, people want to work in a mission-driven company. Uh, we work in the security space. We want to make people's lives safer. And we have a lot of people who want to join us. Uh, we're also kind of at that nice mark uh, of a thousand plus where mm -hmm. you're coming in and it's not super small, but it's not huge as well. So there's a lot of opportunity for development. I think that's really interesting because I had never considered that perspective, right? Because I, I think with all of the layoffs, that, that's exactly right. There are a lot, there's a lot more professionals out there and some of them have like brand name, marquee names on their resumes, right? So yeah. it's kind of, there's a, a wealth of choices for an employer or hiring manager. Yes. And we will soon become a marquee name. <laughs> if you're not there already in, in Canada, yeah. I suspect, right? Uh, yes, we are. Um, yes, we, I, I would say in North America, for sure. In in the security space, we are, we would be a marquee name. And obviously in our employer branding, we've, we've really come on the map in the last uh, 12 to 18 months. You know, we, hire, we do, we hire a lot of, we have a lot of individuals from, uh meta amazon google shopify so we attract uh you know very very top talent you know i was just going to ask that because rick and i we had a, a podcast about kind of what job do i take a prestige kind of company or a place that's getting more money you know kind of going through that debate but it's so it's interesting so you're getting people from amazon and and meta and all the you know all those kind of big name fan kind of places yes. which is great that sounds great i mean so in a way, also, it's good for those people in between roles to feel that there are places to go to as well. So even if they're in between, there's options. You know, there, there there's are, places that are hiring. There are, and there's options in the sense of um, it's very, some people, it's a bit like me. Like I, I was in very large companies, you know, 80,000 plus uh, down to 15,000 would have been kind of where I would play for the majority mm -hmm. of my career. And then the you know since Essence and One Password these are a thousand to fifteen hundred employee companies this was like a division for me in the past, and so what I find ultimately fun in the latter part of my career is you can roll up your sleeves you can build things you can iterate you can implement on the fly, um, and you actually get from an HR standpoint the pulse of the employees is really uh, it's rich because you're on the ground you're closer to what's happening. And you can affect change. So it's um, it's always like two things drive me is uh, fun and impact. And you know those are things that I I really want to have in 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 a job that I'm that I'm passionate about. If 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 I don't have those things, it's not it's not not a lot of fun. I think that's so interesting because I think the community on Blind, there's so many ambitious people. They're looking for kind of the next way to level up their career. For some folks, it's very easy to focus on like, what's the fastest way that I could get that next job title? Can I get it? Can I get that promotion by applying to another job and getting it there at another company? Um, can I, you know, maximize my compensation? What's the, you know, hottest stock that's going to drive my stock-based comp up? But I had never thought about the stage of a company in terms of their company size before. And that employee headcount figure can actually be a clue into how that team 
or how that company is structured internally um, in, in terms of, wow, like there's enough for that impact where they've reached a certain number of level of scale, obviously, because they have the headcount and the, the kind of resources distributed to, to support that growth. But alternatively, uh, you know, the certain kind of industries that you're you're choosing in your career to have kind of move between in terms of, well, my sweet spot is 10,000 to 15,000. Do you have any other kind of like tips or, or, or kind of ways to gauge a, a certain company or a certain opportunity that might not be intuitive for our users or our audience? I, yeah, that's a great question, Ricky. I think you need to... Um maybe I'll use my, my example of when I decided, okay, I'm going to leave kind of the big publicly traded world. But what, it, what was important to me? It was important. I wanted to work in an entrepreneurial environment because many of, even in my publicly traded life, um, these were companies that were built by founder led entrepreneurs. And then they became very big, although they still had majority shareholder um, ownership. And so that piece working with entrepreneurs who have built businesses from ground up was really important. Going to a company that, that actually made a profit from an EBITDA standpoint, had a margin, wasn't burning cash, had good balance sheet, had a good uh, line of business, um, like a, their, their product wasn't gonna be commoditized. Super, super important. Looking at the talent, who, who are you gonna work with? Like, who are your colleagues going to be? Are you going to enjoy going to work with them? Because when you go into a smaller company, it's a, it's like a, it's, um, it's a, I don't know what the word is, but it's a, it's a slut. Like you, 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 you go through it. Like it's hard. It's not easy coming into something that you're building and it's, it's intense. And so the talent is very important. And then just making sure that there's enough scale. So what I was looking for when I came out of those larger company was, was probably around like at least um, I'd say getting into a thousand employee mark and having a, a decent team uh, with a number of employees. Cause I like, I like to lead uh, that would be important. And then seeing the growth trajectory. So those are kind of like areas that were really important. And then um, making sure this is an interesting one is I wanted to join um, a company, especially part of my decision for one password was I wanted to be somewhere where the founders had really had it. Like they bootstrapped it. Like they had come from like pretty well, nothing like, like they understand nothing is not a negative, but they bootstrapped the company from the ground up. And so they understand what it means to build and it wasn't given to them. And that's like my perspective of being hungry. And there's a lot of literature that's or things that have been written about hiring hungry candidates. And in a scale up, you want people who are hungry to deliver and who want to come on board and help you deliver on your mission. And so that was another element that's like, for me, it was super critical. And so there's a lot of like glamour about different um, names and so forth, but I think you really have to look deep down into what does the company offer, who's their talent, you know, what's their business model, all that is important. And you need to be able to say when you're sitting with your friends having dinner, this is the company I work for and this is what I do. And then you're really proud about it. That, that's a good litmus test, actually, for if you, if you 
think you will want to be engaged by. Like if you've selected a company and are you engaged by it, it's actually a really good test to do is to say, sit down with your friends and say, hey, I'm going to take this job at this company and this is why. And if you have like a really great level of energy um, and um, positive attitude about it, then that's a good sign. In, in addition to being hungry, when you look at candidates, are there certain things that you kind of keep your eye out for? And then also are there things that you kind of be leery of? You know, if someone comes in, let's say I'm from fill in the blank name, big shot tech company, and they come in arrogant, you're like, I don't know if this is going to be the right person. Are there certain things that people who are interviewing should just have their antenna up and know this works and this doesn't work? Yes, absolutely. So uh, humility is really critical for me, no matter what stage I've ever been in um, in my career. Like every, I say to every person I interview coming into 1Password, do not come in and come in and say, I've done this at this company. This is what we'll do. Come in and spend 30 days listening. Understand the culture. Understand where this company has come from, where it wants to be, how things happen here. Look into the like into the subculture, look at the behaviors and then start thinking about where do you want to go? But if you come in and you're just like, whatever, I've done this before, uh, you're going to look behind you like in 60 days and no one's going to be following you. All right. Hey, Rick, is this, I'm saying this with love. Does this mean trouble for the blind people? Because they don't lack you. Uh, maybe they lack a little humility. What do, what do you think? I mean, do they need to brush up on their interviewing? I, I think it's a challenge, right? <laughs> because I, I think, especially at the like mid-level, senior level, like level where a lot of our professionals in our community are, you know, they're often getting hired for specific reasons, right? Like a company might be looking for domain experience, right? So it's an insurance technology company and they want insurance experts to be able to just dive right in and say like hey like this is just how the industry works and these are the kind of standard norms then there are folks where they're looking for like companies that are like looking for specific uh kind of like leadership skills right where you're going to come in and build out your entire team because that discipline or that job function doesn't yet exist and then others there's just companies where they're just looking for super individual contributors maybe with a senior title. And I think for the blind community, they often have difficulties putting themselves in that employer perspective or that hiring manager perspective. And like taking a second to think, well, there's this company that has this job rack out there. What are they looking for, right? What stage of company? And like, where do I slot in? Because, you know, there's certain roles where you could have that domain experience and they actually just want you, they don't care that you went to Google, right? Or that Google did it this way. They want you to build something out or mentor a team of folks of, and that might even be the executives of how this function typically looks. What are the best practices there? And so like taking that extra step, kind of taking Katya's advice and saying like, actually like put myself in that shoes and really study what that interview, what that hiring manager what that executive what that company what that industry is looking for yeah and preparation like the market shifted like there's a lot of talent on the market so i think you know 12 months ago 
it was like maybe we had two people for 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 a role and 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 you know you you have to adjust accordingly but we we're you know knock on wood we're privileged to say we we don't have that um situation we have uh, a panoply of talent to be able to to uh select from which is which is phenomenal right now now you have like 200 per role or more right yeah, or 20,000 yeah absolutely oh, wow and I think they all, when you get the resumes, because like if I post sometimes on LinkedIn, I'll get a thousand resumes, but the very few who are really good. But so when you're getting these resumes, I'm presuming they're really good. So you're not just getting, you know, quantity, but you're getting quality, right? A year ago, we would get a lot that would not. And now we have much more um, rigor in the oh. entire process that we are, we are, we are getting much more quality and we're doing we're also doing some sourcing we also have a whole initiative on diversity as well so we i i'd said when we started um to the individual who leads our rta function i said i want us to build like a recruitment machine like i want it to be best in class and and like we have a people analytics uh engineer with us like it's wow. like someone can come to me just a great example one of our um executive came to me the other day and says you know it's like taking this long to fill I'm like mm, I don't think our time to fill is that we actually have time to fill by um different level different function and so forth so data speaks and it can inform so we have a lot of antidotes but let's look at the data to make sure it's factual can you give us more insights like while we have you a kind of behind the scenes look into the job interview process at one password know what should a candidate that's looking to apply how, how do these stand out what should they expect uh, as they're moving step by step stage by stage well with what we're wanting to um accomplish i mean you talked about it in the intro in terms of passwordless and <laughs> authentication and really offering a complete suite of tools for we call it you know uh, securing uh someone's um someone's life is we are looking for deep experience in the security domain. And so that is going to be very, very important in our 2024 kind of product and tech hires. And so it's it, it this is this is critical in some of the domains of, of skills that we want to build. Um, you know, we're not, it's interesting, like we're not um we're pretty open. Someone was asking me the other day, like our customer experience reps. Do you require a degree? No, we want people who love the customer, who can demonstrate that they like live and breathe the customer. And if they can do that, they don't need a degree for that. And so we're quite open um, in terms of like the different qualifications we need across the board. Uh, once someone comes in, we actually have, well, I mean, our, our talent acquisition team has intake meeting with internal clients. They set out the whole kind of roster of interviews based on the level and so forth. You'll have like your typical manager interview, your typical screen, your typical manager interview, your colleague interview, depending on the level, you might have a case to do. Um, or a panel to do and so forth. And we're trying now, um, not trying, we are uh, integrating our values, lead with honesty, keep it simple, put people first throughout the interview process, because culturally we want to make sure that people are, have, you know, are aligned to our values of what we're expecting at one password. So there's a lot of depth that goes in there, but you don't just come in and have one interview and are hired. There, there's a lot of process behind it. 
I'm very interested in kind of the the impact or or the focus on the values, right? Because I, I know, especially among our, our our audience, you know, Amazon famously does this where they'll they'll ask you for scenarios to kind of slot in how you embody or live out or how your experience is kind of showcased a certain value do you do something similar where it's that rigid or should it just come across more naturally in terms of someone speaking to their own background we have like prompting questions for managers to help them and so we're like pretty we're pretty um we provide a lot of tools uh, we do we have a hiring manager cannot hire without going through diversity training or hiring manager training so it's a requirement here we want a high quality process. So we will divvy up the questions across the different um, uh, interview process or in the different incumbents within there. And then people will stick to that, but then they'll go off, obviously, depending on their level of experience to try and dig a bit deeper on certain pieces. So it's a bit of a, I'd say it's a bit of a, probably a hybrid, a bit of a blend. You kind of, go one step further and, and, and share any like commonly made mistakes or objections mm -hmm. that you hear are being raised in interview debriefs by hiring managers, recruiters, or executives at 1Password? I would say uh, things like um, just not being prepared. Like, you know, it, maybe we're biased, but it'd be great if you understand the product, if yes. you've tested it out, if you've gone online and got the free 15-day trial and you understand it, it would be nice. Uh, so that's the way you say that, I guess a lot of people don't do their homework. Oh, no, they do. Right. no, no. Oh, a lot of people, oh. they, a lot of people know yeah. the product, Yeah, but it's like, they don't test it out or check it out. But when you show yeah. a level of yeah. curiosity and you show a level of interest, it's very helpful. So I'm yeah. giving a clue. I'm giving you <laughs> a clue. Yeah. That would be important. And then really um, collaborating, like, like we test to make sure that people can collaborate cross-functionally in a very high, fast-paced, uh, high growth environment as well. Um, not working in silos, understanding how to work remotely. We are a fully remote company. We have been so for 18 years. We are not a pandemic remote company. Uh, we have a collaboration space that we have in Toronto where we set up for meetings for people to come together. But you have to, you have to be ready to work remotely, which is, it's not easy for everyone. Gosh, is there anything else people should know before they apply to One Password, or, or what what folks should know about uh, your company generally in in terms of its employer brand? Uh, we're just a great. Um, I would say that we are for those in the industry who know us. We're you know I would say the marquee. For those who don't know us, you should come and explore because it's like a diamond in the rough or like a unicorn. Like people, people are like, wow, once you come in and you understand like what the trajectory of this company is, uh, what the balance sheet is, who the investors are. We have some, just Google us, we have some high profile investors like Ryan. I love how you have some actor, a lot of actors yeah. that I found. It's really interesting, because, right? Because they care. They care about their security. Oh, I bet. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I'm biased, like we are a Canadian based company. We are in five countries, uh, but we love our Canadian roots. So very important. Sir, as we wrap up, is there any like kind of question or, or thing that people often just don't know or something that I should have asked you? 
Um, hmm, that's interesting. No one's ever really asked me that. Uh, yeah, like, like I was actually just before this call, uh, we were taking, my team was taking me through our new leadership development program for our managers. And we were talking about leadership brand. And I was saying, you know, you should ask this question in a different way. And it was like, the question was, what do you, what do you want people to know you as? And I said, I like this question, but I think you should do this. I think you should say, project yourself at the end of your career. What do you want people to say about you? That's what's important. And so if you ask me that question, I would just like to be able to say that what I would like people to, to know about me is that it's like time for me to give back, to help companies, help entrepreneurs and help, uh, help this company you know, make it to make it to its next uh, next great destination, and also along the way develop some great talent and 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 support. And I think, um, yeah, it's it's nice to be having had all that experience and kind of at this point doing this, which is fun and impactful. Uh, but it builds on everything else. So yeah, if you have to say like, what do you want people to know about you? I'm like, I just want people to be able to say, oh, I came across Katya and she really helped me with this issue. And I think that that's, uh, that's kind of a good, a good way to put a brand. <laughs> no, I, I really appreciate that insight, right? It's especially into kind of all the facets of HR and kind of the different ways that you can get into that career, because I, I think people are just so mistaken about that role just generally, right? Where it's really about how to like build and how to like mentor teams, companies, organizations, because industries even. I've seen some of the most impactful executives that are changing entire industries come from the HR people background. So I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your wealth of knowledge with us. Well, I really appreciate appreciate you both, both uh, Rick and Jack, for, for having me. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you. That's it for The Blind Ambition. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star rating and a review. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.